Blog Talk Radio. Sponsored by WomenSpeakers.com, the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world, you're listening to Marnie's Friends. Hey everybody, this is Marnie Swedberg. Welcome to another edition of Marnie's Friends, and we are doing speaker training today. Uh, we have a great guest with us, Deborah Lovett. She's a speaker over at WomenSpeakers.com, as well as she has her own site, DeborahLovett.org. And she's here to talk to us about how to host your own speaking or training events. And during this hour, you're going to want to grab a pen and take some notes. Uh, you're going to learn the top three reasons to consider hosting your own events, four location types that work well for self-hosted programs, and how to find some near you how to find volunteers and develop these individuals into a cohesive team, critical factors to consider when designing your promotional pieces, the five most important marketing outlets and how to save money along the way, key components every event must have, and how to create a seller schedule for yourself, uh, when, where, and how to publish the agenda for your event, and more. Deborah Lovett is the founder and director of Women of the Well Ministry, a nonprofit organization. She brings women together and equips them to arise out of difficult circumstances and advance the kingdom of God for his glory. So you can find out more about her over at DebraLovett.org. And you spell it D-E-B-O-R-A-H, last name L-O-V-E-T-T dot org. Welcome to you, Deborah. Thank you so much, Marnie. Thanks for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Well, and I'm excited to have you. This is a great topic and one that we've actually never addressed before in all these years of doing uh, speaker training. So I'm really excited to um, add this to the set of training uh, programs that are available over at Marnie.com and through WomenSpeakers.com. Deborah, so you've been a speaker for a while. And how is it that you first decided that you should host maybe some of your own? Well, I started out in uh, women's ministry at a large church here in Ohio. And so I was in charge of administrating the women's team, hiring speakers, doing everything behind the scenes. And eventually I felt that leading towards actually writing Bible studies and speaking on my own. And so that was kind of the progression that I went through to get to the point where I was actually speaking outside of the church. And then from there I started hosting the events. Okay. All right. And we're going to talk first in this first segment here about some of the reasons why a speaker might want to host their own event. And, you know, I can think of some really good reasons why you wouldn't want to. <laughs> like, for example, um, if you don't have the right connections, uh, you could do a lot of work and no one would come. Um, another one is it is a lot of work. And so what are some of Like maybe give me the first or the main reason why someone would consider hosting their own. Well, for the first thing, I think the gifting and the passion is the most important thing. Because if you really don't have the passion to do it and and the gifting together, it's not going to go anywhere. For me, I just had the passion to speak, and it didn't matter to me where I spoke. (laughs) You know, I could speak at the corner market or I could speak at somebody's church, but I had such a passion to share the message that I couldn't wait for someone to pick up the phone and hire me, and I didn't want to do that anymore. And so um, that's how I really decided, and I think passion is one of the biggest reasons that you would do it. Hmm. And when you say gifting, uh, obviously you would want to have the gift of being able to communicate clearly as a speaker, but are there other giftings that need to be along with that if you're going to try to host your own? I believe uh, probably have to have some leadership skills because there's a lot of components that are in the air uh, that have to be spinning at one time. So you have to have some administration skills as well leadership, teaching, um, some wisdom, (laughs) some hospitality. (laughs) You have to have a lot of hospitality. So there's a lot of things Mm. that go into it. But you can get Um, people to fill those spots that you don't have, you know, the gifting for. Well, right. That's true. So I am curious, when you mentioned hospitality, when you're hosting your own event, are you the greeter, or do you actually have someone else greeting people? 
I actually like to greet the women right when they come in the door because I think that they feel, you know, they feel like they're being welcomed by the person that's hosting the event. I'm not somewhere off in a corner. And I like to I like to meet them. I like to hug them. I like to find out what their name is. And I just think it starts the day on the right foot. Mm, I love that. I love that. Okay, what would be another reason you'd want to host your own event? Outreach. And I say that because a lot of times when we're speaking in a church, I have found that you get a lot of the same women that go to that church. Even though they say, bring a friend or this is an outreach, it's just probably eight out of ten times that I've been invited to an outreach, it's still a lot of the same women that go to the church. So this way, when I'm hosting an event and I'm not a church, I will have women come that don't go to a church that would probably never set their foot in a church. I have a lot of women that come like that. So you draw that type of woman, Mm. and you also draw non-denominational women. Instead of going to one church that's one denomination, you can offer an event, you know, that is open to all denominations, which to me is really exciting because we're all worshiping the same God, the Christian, you know, the Christian churches, so it's just mm-hmm. an outreach in so many different ways. Hmm. After the break, we're going to talk about location types, but um, in this section, talking about reasons to host your own, outreach is a big one, and I knew, I do know that a lot of times someone who isn't um, already involved in a church somewhere is really hesitant to walk into a church where it's maybe not so much into a different venue. So that's huge. Uh, what is another reason why somebody might want to host their own? Well, I think we're commissioned to do it. <laughs> that's probably a huge reason. You know, Matthew twenty-eight, nineteen, and 20 says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. So, you know, there's no hesitation there that we are commissioned to do this in our homes or wherever we go, that we're here to share the gospel and to let people know that Jesus is alive. And I think as speakers, there is a like a glass ceiling or some type of a, I don't know what you would call it, that you have to wait until you've been hired. And and I just don't think that's true. I don't think that's biblical. Jesus never went out when he was hired. He went out every single day and shared to whomever he met. So I, you know, that uh, movie, The Field of Dreams. I love mm-hmm. that movie. I I love Kevin Costner, (laughs) but I like the movie too. But it says, you know, in there, if you build it, he will come. And so I have kind of always went by that. Like if I'll build the set, God will come and he'll bring the people. Mm. Well, that is so cool. I'm I'm taking notes here as we're talking. I wonder – like if you have a way to think about it. So to me, to think about hosting my own um, speaking or training event seems a lot different than to be invited to one, uh, let's say a conference or a retreat that someone else is planning. I mean, there's just a huge difference in my, my head there. So do you have a way to think about it? Like do you consider it something like just a little bigger than inviting people over to your living room? Or how do you make it palatable so that you can get yourself to actually go forward and plan these? I guess because I did one and it went over so well and the women were so impacted that it just Mm -hmm. led me to do the next one. Yeah. And how many gals are you shooting for when you host your own? I mean, is is it the same ballpark or is it a huge range depending on the event? No, it's more of a boutique-styled event. So we started with a maximum of 45 women that we would take, and then we raised that 
to 60, and we're getting ready to possibly raise it to 100. But we like to keep it small. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's easier to that's easier easier to imagine, you know, than trying to host your own with, you know, 500 or right (laughs) something like that. Yeah. And I like I like what you just said right there. Sure. Yeah. I like what you said right there, too, is that you started a little smaller, and then as God, you know, I'm sure that you're learning along the way how to do it, how to be more comfortable with all the aspects of it, how to make sure that you're, you know, meeting the needs of all the people that come, even as far as just, you know, bathroom facilities and everything like that. Um, you know, and as you go, you're you're being able to grow, and that's really a biblical principle is, you know, to don't despise the small things at the beginning don't say well, it has to be big right out of the chute, you know, just even to try something uh, smaller and just see how that goes. Love that. Well, this is Marnie Swedberg visiting today with our guest, Deborah Lovett of DebraLovett.org, and she's the founder and director of Women of the Well Ministry. We're going to come right back and talk about four location types that work well for self-hosted programs and how to find some near you, as well as how to find volunteers and develop those individuals into a cohesive team. We'll be right back. an author or do you know someone who would like to see their book published as soon as possible? Join us at Marnie.com for author training. You will learn how to write it well, get great graphics, attract an agent, format it for e-readers, get good reviews, connect with libraries, and market via media. All over at the author training at Marnie.com. Check it out today. Womenspeakers.com is the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world, featuring over 1,700 women speakers from every experience level, denomination, and fee range, some near you. Visit Womenspeakers.com to find the perfect speaker for your next event or to get training to be a speaker, author, or media personality. All training and connections occur online anytime you have time. Find a speaker, add a speaker, or become a speaker at www.womenspeakers.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Marty, and we are doing speaker training today with Deborah Lovett of uh, DebraLovett.org, and uh, she's one of our speakers over at womenspeakers.com. You want to check her profile out over there, as well as we are talking today about how to host your own speaking training event. So, Deborah, we were talking before the break about some reasons why someone might want to do it, and now let's go ahead and dive into the details of if you have decided maybe this is for you, how to proceed, and one of the key factors is where to host this thing. And so maybe dive into the four types of locations that work well for self-hosted programs. Okay. First, I started out in my home, and that was because I live on 21 acres, and my home was laid out in a way that worked well for teaching. I could seat anywhere from 35 to 50 women in my living room, and I could entertain. I also have uh, 10 acres of woods that we have made paths in, so the women could have quiet Mm -hmm. time back there and walk through the woods, and we build a chapel back there. So, Wow. You know, for me, that was the best location for me to hold those events because it was right here and it was homey and the women loved it. And I was able to set it up the way I wanted. Um, But the other ways would be to go to a retreat center or conference center, which is where we're at now. We just moved there and we've done our last two events there because we needed more seating. And I really like that idea now because they do the food for me. They have trails for the women to walk on, which was a big part of what they liked at my home. And Mm -hmm. I was able to get the seating that I needed. So retreat or conference centers are a wonderful um, place to look at. Third would be your fellowship hall at your own church and That's not my ideal place, but it might be depending on what your event is going to be on. And the fourth would be a hotel banquet room where, you know, the women that come can stay there. They set up for you and they do the food, but I don't think that that's the most cost-effective. And there's no trails. And the privacy there is not quite the same as well. 
Okay, so let's talk, let's just talk about money for a little bit. So when you started out in your home, compared to your first one at the retreat center, what was the price difference for the attendees? It was zero. When we started at my home, we underwrote the entire cost of every advance. So we invited women from a certain church, and we said to them, if you'll bring your women and do all the advertising, we'll do everything else. Well, that was really hard to turn Mm. down. So that's how we started. That's how we started, and we did that for probably a year, and then we went to the next level. And so every year we have, you know, set the level a little higher and went a little bit um, deeper with where we were going, how far we were outreaching, and then we began to charge, and now we're at $97. And is that for a one-day, two-day? That's a one-day. One-day, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, do you still just go, like, to one church, or have you expanded that out then also? Oh, no. We don't even – I don't even uh, market to the churches anymore. We mm. just market in, in different places now. I mean, it's completely different than when we started. It's just revolved to, you know, all the denominations and the Christian denominations, I should say. And it's um, – we get women now from California, Texas, Canada, all over the United States. So where we started, you know, 15 years ago was one church, all the women from Dayton, Ohio, and we've now evolved to women from all over. Wow, that's amazing. And how many of these do you put on a year? It depends because, like you said in the beginning, it is a lot of work. So a lot of it depends on my schedule. Uh, Sometimes we do four. We shoot for four, one a quarter. This year we're doing two. Okay, yep. Mhm. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, so when you when you're doing it, one of the things that seems to be bubbling to the surface here is that you've you've built reflection into this schedule, so they have time to go out on paths and be in nature. Uh, and we're going to talk about the schedule after a little while, so I don't want to you know spill all those beans right now, but I want you guys to know we're going to talk about that. <laughs> so um, <laughs> we'll come back to that right now. What do you think as someone's going, you know, and looking and like, I can't find a retreat center in my, I live in an apartment, so that's not going to work. And, you know, I'm not finding one of those, but there, you know, there is a hotel that can work for me. Um, you know, on a scale of one to 10, if you didn't have that outdoor space, you know, would you say it's a deal breaker or well, how would you look at that? I think it depends on what your goal is. If you're training women for a certain, um, like if you're training authors or you're training speakers and you don't really need that level of uh, quiet time, I don't think it's a deal breaker. But if you're actually going at the heart and you're preaching the gospel and you're equipping women to share the gospel, I really think that they need that time. They need that time to process what's been said, and just from all the years that I've been doing it, that is one of their favorite parts of the day because Mm -hmm. they don't get it in the world. They just don't get quiet time, and when you give them an hour and the only rule is you're not allowed to talk to any other woman. (laughs) They They look at you like you're crazy. But they do abide by it, and they come back, and they're amazed because they hear the voice of God. So it's it's really important. Well, and I can see one of the things that I understood years ago was the depth, the depth difference. So if you go to church on a Sunday morning, you know the the preacher is going to spend you know five to ten minutes just doing the introduction. Then he's got you know a few minutes in the middle. Then he has to do a close, and that's the end. Whereas when you have a whole day together, you do the introduction for the first five or ten minutes or whatever, and everything after that until the end of the day is going deeper. And mm-hmm. so you really have the opportunity to make a lot of progress in a short amount of time in a day-long or in a weekend-long event like this that you just can't get 
at home at church with the distractions that are going on. Not that that's not useful, but it's just a, a more intense situation. So what about the gal that says, I really want to find a retreat center or something like that, but I don't know where to look. Where should she, where should she begin? I think I, uh, I've never had that question asked, but I think if that was me, I would look inside my church for a woman who had a large home with some acreage and approach her and say, would you be willing to partner with me? Mm, yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, the only thing that, the only thing is she can say yes or no, you know, and, and a no is not a problem. A no just means that isn't the door God wanted you to walk through. So it just right. means you're going to have to, you know, look for another door. But the other thing is there's online, there's, there's places like um, you just search, do a, like a Google search for retreat and conference centers, and it's amazing. Most states have a whole directory full of these places, and some may be within driving distance of where you are that may be able to facilitate. Um, any other ideas about finding lo- location? Um, I don't. I mean, between church and hotels and, and retreat centers, uh, and Googling them, like you said, I don't, you know, other than just asking different people, I really, uh, you know, I mean, the other thing you can do, I'll, I'll tell you, in my home, we take out all the furniture. We take all the furniture out and put it in the garage. And we set mm. up folding chairs. So, you know, I mean, it depends on where your, how big your biggest room is. So you can do that if you can get the furniture out. The other the other avenue would be to rent a tent and put it up in your backyard. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, you just yeah, kind of have I'm to think out of the box. I'm thinking also if you if you go there, then like a pavilion or something like that might work too. Um, mm-hmm. You do want it to be private enough that. Uh, that you can accomplish your goals, but a lot of times that can be that way. I mean, we just had on Sunday, one of the churches we go to, we go to two every weekend, but um, one of our churches had had church in a pavilion, and it was beautiful, and it was fine. It was great. So Yeah, that'd um, be awesome. That, yeah, that'd be a really cool idea, too. Cool. Well, how about finding volunteers? Um, you definitely, like you just said, you know, maybe you could partner with someone who has a bigger home than you do. Uh, to host it, but what are some of the other volunteers that you find that you need, and then how do you find them? Well, Marnie, I think you're so good at that because <laughs> you have a great team to work with. Um, I think the way that I have so far found my people is just by watching, like in church and listening uh, to friends and asking people. When I see a particular skill set or a gifting that I need to fill a certain area, I'll just approach them. Like, for example, I had there was a husband and wife team that sang and played the guitar at church one Sunday, and they were just kind of low-key, but they were really worshipful, and I just thought that they would fit into the culture of what I was doing so well. And so I approached them afterwards, and they were thrilled. They were like, yes, we'll do it. So... Mm. You just have to look for what your needs are. Look, you know, decide what your culture of your event is. I mean, you know, obviously you're not going to go get a hard rock band for, you know, women that are coming to do a spiritual event. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure there are some if you're doing a younger crowd, but you know what I mean. Yeah. So do you have a do you have a list of the types of volunteers? Not the not the exact people, but the things that volunteers do for you, like mailings, or do you have a, a list of volunteers that you're looking for? I don't have a list, and I don't have all of my spots filled, but I know what they are in my mind. I have greeters. I have a registration person. I have somebody that runs all the audio equipment. I have somebody that is a liaison between me and the conference center. I have um, a networking gal that is just wonderful. She's from a local college here, and she networks. 
and brings in people, and we do lunches with them to try and fit them into a spot if they're willing and they want to get involved. So I have a gal that used to work for NASCAR Racing and did all their events, and she retired, and now she wants to do small events, and she wants to volunteer. So she is my event coordinator, and she's wonderful. So I have a soloist that comes to every event. Everybody loves her. She just brings the Holy Spirit in and like there's no tomorrow. I mean, she's so great. People come to just hear her. And so there's a lot of different places, but I don't have every spot filled every event. Hmm. So when you are looking at the event, how how much does it how much ends up being on your platter? <laughs> Well, more than I wish, to be truthful. (laughs) It's a lot of work. But, you know, the more you do it, the easier it gets. And I end up doing what's ever not taken. So, you know, like last time, we, we give a gift after every event. The women go home with a gift. And I normally had a girl that did gifts and... She was sick, and so she wasn't able to do it. So I ended up kind of splitting that up between the networking gal, myself, and my daughter. And between the three of us, we were putting the gift bags together that morning. But it got done. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, and who does, who does like, the collection of the items for the gift or gift bags? We have a registration online at my website, so it's all done through PayPal. Okay. Yeah. All right, and then, like, when you were talking about the one that I wasn't quite clear about was the networking person. The networking person, is that, like, per event, or is that, like, a ministry-wide networking person who's always watching for people who might want to, you know, partner with you financially or as a, you know, attendee or as a volunteer? Is this kind of a per event? She's no, she is um full time. So she does every event and it's mainly for people that want to help and also for people that she would send an email to to invite them to the to the event. Okay. Yep. And then do you have financial partners that are helping you with some of the cost of these things? For the first time at the last advance, we had somebody that donated, and that was the very first time in 15 years. Wow. <laughs> I know. It was okay. so nice. <laughs> it, it's really so important. I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful, Deborah, that you're just being honest here and laying this out. It's really so important for you guys to hear this because, um, you know, a lot of speakers, you know, you, you, you come into it and you think, you know, there's a lot of money to be made here. And, you know, and, and actually you can make money speaking. I'm not saying you can't. But a lot of times God calls us to do it without that aspect of it, with him just providing for the needs that we have uh, through a variety of ways, uh, sometimes from the family budget, sometimes, you know, uh, from other things, and that that God has his own ways of getting this work done, and it doesn't always mean that there's money left on the table at the end um, for you. And, and and I think that it's important to say, you know, Deborah, in your experience, has God been faithful to you? He has been so faithful. It's not even... I can't even begin to put words to it. Yeah. It gives me goosebumps just to even say yeah. that. <laughs> right, right. And has it been something that you would call, you know, financially lucrative? No. <laughs> <laughs> right. okay. Absolutely so, not. But I will tell yeah. you, that is my own choice. We have right. a scholarship program, so we bring women in from different shelters that we give scholarships to. So we're underwriting the costs for their entire day. We also, at the end of an advance, we put aside a certain amount of money that we give to a woman in the community that wouldn't normally get uh, help from a charity. 
So, you know, it's women of the well, and so we just felt, felt like that was an appropriate place to put a part of a, whatever was left to donate that to a woman in need. I love that. Well, this is Marnie Swedberg. We're visiting today with Deborah Lovett of DebraLovett.org. We're going to come right back and talk about how to form a cohesive team, some critical factors to consider when designing promotional pieces, and also some of the most important marketing outlets that you can um, attract and not miss. So we'll be right back. Online training, instant access, increase your skills in the minutes you have. Right now at womenspeakers.com, you can take it to the next level with online training including specific instructions, tips, and strategies to increase your knowledge, skill sets, and earning potential as an author, speaker, media guest, manager, women's ministry leader, or event planner. Pick your area of interest and get going today. The training sets at womenspeakers.com include over 24 modules, each 60 minutes long, focusing on practical, doable, and easy-to-implement next steps in your particular field of interest. You can purchase each set individually or join to gain instant and ongoing access to them all for one low price. Get online training today at womenspeakers.com. That's www.womenspeakers.com. Welcome back. This is Marnie Swedberg, and you are tuned in to Marnie's Friends. We're visiting today with Deborah Lovett of DebraLovett.org, and Deborah is D-E-B-O-R-A-H, Lovett, L-O-V-E-T-T.org. Okay, Deborah, let us talk about, we were talking about um, volunteers. How do you get your volunteer team, and it may be different almost every time you have an event, how do you get this team to work together? Well, we have lunch. We have lots of lunches. We eat a lot. (laughs) (laughs) And we text a lot, and we email a lot, and it just gets done. Okay. It's really that simple. Yeah. So do you have Everybody knows what they're supposed to do. Yeah. So how do you communicate that? I communicate that from the very beginning. So they know their job. They know their job description. They know, you know, the boundaries of what they're supposed to be in and, you know, what their specific job is. So that makes it really easy. But we all still get together for lunch and we all pray together. But for the most part, everybody knows their part and they do it and we all get along great. So it goes really easy. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think one of the things we've talked about in other segments is to um, have a have the expectations written down and then have these check-in dates, whether it's a lunch or whether it's a meeting or whatever, however you do it, that, you know, this much needs to be done by the next meeting. And then that just gives um, a very simple way for the person in charge to know where things are at. If somebody's not able to make those deadlines, it gives time for the leader to come in and in a gentle way to help or to um, encourage or provide what they need in order to succeed instead of waiting until the end and all of a sudden finding out something isn't done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, let's move on and talk about promoting the event. So what are some <laughs> critical factors to consider? Well, I think from the very beginning, from the very first event that we had, we put a name to it. And the name is called In Advance because I just really believe that women have retreated long enough and it's time to advance the kingdom of God. So you want to brand your events so that no matter what you call it, you call it the same thing all the way through. Even though your theme may be different every single time, even though you may bring in speakers to help you or whatever, you still, when when. The girls see the word advance pop up on my Facebook. They know. They, you know they've been coming for 15 years or five years or whatever. They know when they see that and it catches their attention. So I think that's really, really important is to get your mission and your branding straight from the very beginning so that the women will be alerted to that as soon as they see it. Hmm. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, just today we've had a lot of interest generated for the vision mission training that's available over at Marnie.com. And it's just like a very short, it's like less than two hours, and it just walks you through how to set your mission and vision. And it gives you some clarity about this because it is so true that if you keep changing things up, it's hard for people to, to track you. They lose track of you. It's a big, busy world. And to just have the same, even the same picture, the same icon or logo that goes with your stuff, it just helps people to identify, oh, you know, that's Deborah's or, oh, that's Marnie's or that's yours, you know, and, and they can identify that and see it. So that's really a great, um, a great thought there. Anything else about your promotional pieces that, that you'd want to share here at this point? I mean, really, just the same thing you said, Marnie, a, you know, a picture, a logo for the same, uh, you know, to go with all your promotional materials that express the feel of your event so they, they kind of know what they're getting into. Mm, great. Let's talk about the marketing outlets then. <laughs> well, you asked me for five, and the first time I wrote them down, I wrote Facebook, 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 and Facebook. <laughs> and then I thought, no, I can't do that. <laughs> but really, Facebook is my biggest marketing. I do it through my Facebook personal page, my ministry page. Uh, I do an event page for the advance. Uh, if I'm really on the ball and I have enough time, I find somebody to do a countdown infographic that goes on the Facebook page every day that gets people excited. And then we also have a secret Facebook group for those people that register. So once they register, they go into the group and they get questions answered and they get to know each other before they even get to the event. So Facebook is huge for me. And I ask mm. the people that have been there that are alumni to share it on their page, and they're always willing to do that. Oh, that's awesome. Do you ever do paid advertising with Facebook? I do. Mm-hmm. I do, yep. yes. Yep. And what's your demographic for your group? Well, I, I really can't say that I have a specific demographic. Because we get women from all over the United States. We get women that have been sponsored out of um, different homes and different, you know, places here that are locally. And we get people from church. We get people that haven't been churched. So I don't really know how to answer that. Okay. Yeah. So as far as saving money along the way, um, you mentioned already that you had you just asked your alumni to share it on their pages. Is there anything else that you do there? Share it on Twitter. Um, put it on my website, of course. Send chip mails or constant contact or whatever you have. We usually send two to three of those. We start about two months in advance. And then find out whatever the local free advertising is in your area and put it on all of those sites. Okay, that's great. And then do you actually ask some churches to help you promote it or no? For the, you know, we've never done that, but for this next one we're going to. So that's going okay. to be something new that we're going to do for this next event. Yeah, and, and what made you make that decision? The girl that's coming is from a certain denomination that I think – there's a lot of churches in my area that are from that denomination, and so I think I'm going to go ahead and target that and send out letters and just ask them if they would be willing to put it in their bulletin because it's not a denomination that typically does a lot of women's events. Okay. And when you say the girl that's coming, what did you mean by that? I started about a year ago bringing in guest speakers. I see. Okay. Because I have so many of the same women that come every single time. So that's why I love your site. <laughs> Marnie. <laughs> right. I can yeah, go there. Really and... Great gals, aren't they? There's just awesome yeah. women on there. <laughs> they are. Yeah, they great. are. There you go. Yeah, that's great. Okay, so you have, um, it's you that is doing the facilitating and you do some presenting and then you bring in maybe another speaker or so and then you have a soloist and you also sometimes 
ask other people to come and do music. Is there any other aspects of this that you have other people that are presenters? At the last event, I had five women that had been alumni for at least five years that wanted to be speakers and writers, and I had them each Ah. come up and share for about 10 minutes, and I gave them very little instruction except for the words, but God. And I said, you can talk for six to eight minutes, and the only thing you have to have in there is but God. So we called it the but God Mm. session, (laughs) and they got up and gave a testimony, and the women absolutely loved it. They ate it up. Oh, that's one of my favorite phrases in the whole language is but God. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Well, this is Marty Swedberg. We're visiting today with Deborah Lovett of DebraLovett.org. She's also available over at WomenSpeakers.com as a speaker over there. And obviously you heard she sometimes invites speakers from over there. So you want to check her out at WomenSpeakers.com. Also, we're going to come back and talk about the key components um, for every event that you must have and how to create a schedule, and also how to, how to promote everything, how to get the news out to the people who are coming and register. So we'll be right back and talk about that. Christian Women's Events. At womensevents.info, you can find events to attend. Learn how to plan amazing events for your group or publicize your own upcoming Christian Women's Events. It's all available to you at womensevents.info. Just click your state to find all the major women's events coming to your area or type in the month and year you'd like to attend an event to see all your options nationwide. It's that easy. If you want to promote an event, just click Add Event. Event publicity is available on a per-event basis or free to members. Finally, if you want to learn how to host awesome events, retreats, and well-attended conferences, click Event Planner Training. Once again, it's available a la carte or included in the membership. It's all online and here for you 24-7 anytime you have time at womensevents.info. That's www.womensevents.info. Well, welcome back. This is Marnie Swedberg. This hour is just flying by with our special guest, Deborah Lovett of DebraLovett.org. We're talking about how to host your own speaking and training events, and right now we're going to talk about the key events that every event must have and how to create a stellar schedule for yours. So, Deborah, where would we begin? I think we begin with prayer. (laughs) To me, (laughs) that's the the biggest part of the entire thing is the prayer that goes into it, and, you know, it never fails. God never fails you, so... We just start in advance. We all pray individually. We pray together when we have lunch. The women that are coming pray, and when we get there, we pray. And we don't pray one time. We pray um, (laughs) over each woman. You know, we have a lot of prayer involved in the event. So sometimes we'll have individual prayer once they get there for each woman. Uh, The last event that we did, we broke them up into groups at tables, and we had a table leader for each group. And sometimes we'll, you know, just put two women together. So we do it differently each time for whatever is going to kind of flow with what we're doing for the day. But we always, always, always have prayer. Yes, that's just great. And that should be the distinguishing difference. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) I agree. Uh, The next thing I think that has to be involved for it to be successful is fellowship, especially with my group because they're coming from all different areas of the country and they're all denominations. And so it's so interesting for them to all have lunch together, to meet different women from different denominations and to realize how similar they are and how many you know, how we're all alike. We all, you know, want to be loved. We all have our trials and we all have our tribulations. So it's a great way for women to fellowship and they love that and they need that. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, They love the solitary time, that one hour with Jesus where they get to just be by themselves 
for me that we would never cut that out. I mean, they say never say never, but that is <laughs> by far the most important thing we do, and it's the easiest thing we do. We set them free and they go. But it's it's something that, you know, it's a rest. It's where they get unburdened and they come back and, you know, they're writing in their journals and it's just a special time for them to really process what they've heard. Um, the other thing we do for the fun part is we always give a gift at the end of the day. They're used to that and they look forward to that. And we always get a photo of the entire group. We always have plenty of chocolate-covered pretzels during the middle of the day, so they always look forward to that. So there's certain things that we always do. We always have some kind of surprise, so we keep it fresh every time. We had a horse whisperer one time in our round 10, <laughs> and he tied in the teaching from uh, what mm. the girls, what we were learning. He tied that in. We had an impromptu swim party one time after the event was over. We just invited everybody to come back after dinner and swim. Another time we had a campfire with singing, and the women gave testimonies. So we always try and have something that's going to bring them all together, but is a surprise. Hmm. And what else? Flowers, 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 everywhere. Um. <laughs> you know, I mean, you have to bring God's beauty in there through nature, and we just have always done big on flowers because it brings fragrance, the women love the color, and that way, we already know what we're going to do for our table decorations every single event. It's always flowers. Oh, yeah. And then at the end of the event, <laughs> they it. always get given away to a certain group of women. Mm-hmm. So, Cool. So I'm assuming that there's teaching that goes in here somewhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> consistent theme... <laughs> Throughout the day, we always keep a consistent theme. You know, our next one is uh, we have the spring, summer, fall, and winter advances. So our next one is the fall advance. So we have called it Fall on Your Knees, Advance the Kingdom of God. So it's going to be on prayer. The whole day will be on prayer and peace, teachings on prayer and peace. So, uh, But we still have that fall advance in there. That's cool. That's cool. So you have and and uh, describe one of your describe one of your segments uh, when you're coming together before the teaching. Is there always music? Is that after the teaching? Is there some group singing? How do you do it? We have a soloist, and she usually sings three times a day in the morning, sometime around lunchtime, and then she ends the day. Okay, and then. Um, do the does the group ever sing together? Yeah, we sometimes she asks people to stand up and join her if it's something that she thinks that they already know. And I just kind of leave that up to her because she's so wonderful. And she has such a feel for, you know, what needs to be sang and and whether or not to include them or sometimes she'll just have them stand or clap or so it's always different. And about how long does she get each time? Enough for one song, four songs? One song. One song, okay. All yeah, right. one song. And then, and, then how, and then how long of a teaching time is there? About 45-minute uh, segments, and we do three to four segments during the day. Okay. And where does the solitude fall? Is that toward the middle of the afternoon or... It's definitely after lunch, <laughs> because after lunch we want them up walking around. And by then we've had, we try and get the most sessions in in the morning because that's when they're fresh, they've had their coffee, they're awake. So if we can get in as many sessions in the morning, we do. And then that allows time for a lot of our other things that we're doing in the afternoon. So after lunch is a perfect time because they've fellowship during lunch and then they get out, and they get to walk around, they get some exercise, they get some fresh air, and they get to process what they've learned in the morning. Hmm. 
So go ahead and take me through one of your days. Uh, tell me what time we get there, what we do. Just go ahead and run through an agenda. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Uh, we get there around... <laughs> We get there around 8 o'clock, and I am looking on my computer real quick to see if I can find I know, right? Did I put you on the spot? <laughs> a, a schedule. I know I can find one. But anyway, uh, we get there around 8 o'clock, and we have – oh, I found one. Okay. 8.15, registration opens. Uh, my daughter runs registration, and she gives them a notebook, we always have a different journal that goes with our theme. So every woman gets a name tag and a journal when they sign in. And 8.30 to 9.30, breakfast is served in the dining hall. 9.30 to 9.45, we have our event planner um, tell everybody in the, in the dining hall to make their way back to the chapel where we're going to be doing all of our sessions. At 9.45, Robin, who is my uh, social networking or person from the college, she welcomes everybody, gives an overview of the day, asks everybody to turn off their cell phones, and then she introduces the speakers and the singer. And we then we sing. After that, we do session one, which is normally from about 10 to 10.45. 10.45 to 11 is a, a break, so they can get up and stretch their legs, get a bottle of water, get a cookie. We always have a, you know, some type of a coffee tea table sitting in there for them. 11 to 11.45 is the next session, so we go right back into the next session right away. And 11.45 to 12 is some kind of um, invitation or something special that ties into those first two sessions. And it's a way that we pull those together and kind of bring them to, uh, you know, just tie them together nicely. And that's always different. 12 o'clock to 12.15, we pray, and a lot of times that's when Jane will sing. It just depends on if it's better to have her sing to wrap that up or if it's better to have her sing when we get back to start our, our afternoon. Uh, 12.15 to 1.15, we do lunch, and we do cards, which I didn't tell you about, but we purchase uh, greeting cards. We have everybody write their address on the envelope. We have them write a note to another woman, and they don't know which woman it will be. And then we collect all those. So we already have their envelope with their name and address on it. And we mix those cards up and put them in those envelopes and stamp them. And about two weeks later, we send them out. And so they get an encouragement card with a word of scripture or something to remind them of what, the, what transpired two weeks ago so that they won't forget what the Lord taught them or how he, you know, I'm sure they're not forgetting, but it's just, it's a word of encouragement for them. Sure. Because we all know that. That's a cool idea. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. so they love that. And then uh, around 140 to 2.15, we did the But God testimonies in that last advance. And those were each about eight minutes long. And then we had the quiet time. So they went out from 2.30 to 3.30, and they we handed them all a chocolate chip cookie, some dark chocolates, <laughs> and, and a bottle of water with a map of the trails, and they had their journals, and they went out for their one hour of quiet time. Mm-hmm. When they came back, we had session three, which was for 45 minutes. It was 2.30 to 4.15, And then at 4.30 to 5 o'clock, we had some corporate prayer. You know, we prayed for some certain people that actually, you know, needed really uh, a lot of prayer. So we Mm -hmm. brought them up and prayed over them. And we divided them into groups at that time and had them pray if we had, you know, depending on how much time you have at the end of the day. A lot of times, you know, I don't set the schedule and then follow it. 
a lot of times I don't know what the schedule is until the last day. I'll have it written, but I let the Holy Spirit set the schedule. So it kind of all falls into place by the last day, the day before. And that's when I print it out. And I only give it to the workers because I don't want the women to have a schedule. They have a schedule every day of the week. They have to follow. Right. And I really, right? I mean, we have, yeah. you know, our whole day planned out. So I don't give them a schedule. They get a journal that they can write in. And we let them, we lead them throughout the day. And the only thing we tell them in the morning is what time lunch is, because everybody wants to know <laughs> what time lunch is. <laughs> So, and then we just, we end the day with prayer, a song, a picture of everybody, and a hug and a gift bag, and we send them on their way. Wow. So you guys are out of there by 530. Yes. Yeah. It's it's an action-packed day. (laughs) It is. It's very full, but it sounds great. And it's kind of a fun idea not to give a schedule out. Uh, So when, where, and how do you publish the agenda for your event? (laughs) Do you mean like uh, just how do I let them know what the theme is, or uh, just the last talk point there? Um, what what is your answer to that? The only thing I the only agenda I give out is to the workers. So I okay. do that the morning the morning of, and I put their name on it, and I highlight what their part is, so they so they know. So how do you describe what this day will be like for someone if you don't give them any kind of an agenda or schedule? How do they know what to expect? I describe it as a boutique-styled, intimate time with the Lord that gives your soul a spa day. And there is absolutely no way to really tell you in words what you will come away with, because we don't know. It's always different for every single woman. It's Holy Spirit-filled, and we do everything to the glory of God. We don't sell anything on the day of an advance. There's no book tables. There's no schedule. And it's very laid back. And, you know, then I'll normally tell them who the speakers are and what their theme is so that, you know, they have some idea of that. But the women, truthfully, they come no matter who the speaker is, and they come no matter what the theme is, because they know what happens there, because it's all all led by the Spirit. I just think it's really creative. I love it. I love it, love it, love it. And that's what I think. Love it, love it, love it. That's so funny. (laughs) You know, the reason I I love it is because you've got all of this um, framework that you have that is is keeping it all together, that's making it feel extremely uh, stress-free for the attendees and so that they can really relax into the presence of God. But you've got it disorganized in the background. You know what's happening when. And of course, the Holy Spirit can move these things around, but the reality is that you're not burdening them with this and you're describing it in advance in such a way that they don't even want to know. They just want to come and let you take care of that, which is just perfect. That's just a beautiful plan. Deborah, this hour has flown by. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for sharing all this information. Well, thank you so much, Marnie. It's just been an honor to be your guest today. It really has. I appreciate (laughs) it. Well, I love you, and I love your ministry, and I'm so grateful that you could be here. And you guys want to check out Deborah's stuff more over at um, her ministry. is called Women of the Well, and her website is DebraLovett.org, D-E-B-O-R-A-H-L-O-V-E-T-T.org, and she's also available over at WomenSpeakers.com. So check that out there. This is Marnie Swedberg. My website is marnie.com, M-A-R-N-I-E.com. And I appreciate that you've been with us this afternoon. It's always fun to have you guys here who come live at Blog Talk Radio and those of you who listen around the Internet and to the archives later and on Stitcher and iTunes and all that. So thanks so much. Have a wonderful day, and we'll see you next time. I'm Marnie's friend. Bye-bye. 